Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with the one and only Jeff Bogue, who's sitting across from me, also wearing a blue plaid shirt this morning. Ironic, isn't it? It is. It's almost like blue's not that common and plaid's not the man's go-to. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but my name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. Well, from news sources to comedians, friends to advertisements, it seems that everyone has an idea of how we should think and live and make decisions. And when everyone disagrees... How do we cut through the noise? How do we sift through all of that information overload and choose what governs our lives? Well, as we pray and process these things, we want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions. Like, for instance, Jeff, how do you choose what to wear in the morning? Uh, usually whatever's clean and easily de-wrinkled. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just not going to – I have this pretty strong code – that it should not take me more than six minutes to get to walk out the door. I like the randomness of six. Yeah, well, I've timed it down. So I, I used to take a shower before I go to bed and then brush your teeth. I refuse to spend more than 60 seconds on my hair. <laughs> then it's just deodorant and getting dressed, you're gone. Uh, I, I will have to say the one nice thing about being mandated to pretty much have this haircut is you don't spend any time doing your yeah, hair in the morning. Yeah, see, you it's got a whole nice. advantage. Like the... I will, I, I just cut mine in such a way. Like one time I had somebody cutting it and they like put style in it. You had to blow dry it. And oh, I'm boy. like, yeah, that's and, never going to happen. I just, I literally let them cut it. Then I went to another place and had it cut down. And <laughs> I have hard to say that I'm not doing any of that. But for that 30 minutes, it looked great. Uh, I, you know, it looked weird to me. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I feel about this. Yeah. I'm not OCD about it at all, but I tend to, uh, hang shirts up on the right and pull them from the left-ish. Yeah, that's kind of what, yeah. You know, and so, you know, usually it's the next three or four shirts. I don't, I probably only have like 10 that I really choose from on the hanger at least, but. Yeah, that I'm not, I have like four pairs of pants and like I have some summer shirts and some winter shirts. Yeah. And a couple sweaters when it gets cold, cold outside. I'm like, that's about it for me. Like I do not want a complicated wardrobe. No. At all. I recently heard of a, a leader. Uh, I won't say his name. If you've listened to his stuff, you might know. But he, like, only wears, like, one color hoodie and one color T-shirt and jeans every day. So yeah. he never has to think about it. Steve Jobs is that way. Yeah, right. Yeah, khakis right. And, and a black shirt. And I I could totally be in that category and be just fine. Yeah. What What's weird is uh, the only reason I shake it up a little bit is people comment on my clothes. Hmm. So, like, I'm like, I don't. I don't think about it, but they think, like I, I walked in here this weekend to teach and uh, a guy was like, I didn't know you wore anything but t-shirts. I'm like, I didn't know you thought about what I wore that much. <laughs> <laughs> so it's- I, uh, I'm assuming that person hasn't been around that long then. Yeah. Because yeah, t-shirts is a little bit new for you. And see, that's the thing. Like I, I had a about, a, I don't know, a few months ago, a, somebody said to me, they go, uh, you changed your style. And I'm like, I What? You're like, yeah, you changed your style. I'm like, I, and I said, I go, I have a style. Well, They're like, yeah, that one, that one style of shirt you always wear, the button down, untuck thing, and it's a certain. I go, oh, okay. And they go, so now you shook it up. Now you're doing it with a t-shirt style. And I, this was in the spring, and I looked at them. I said, I literally, Heidi and I were living in the middle of a construction zone, so our bedroom was our closet, and our washing machine was in the barn. And so I literally ordered a pack of T-shirts so I would just have clean clothes. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't have to iron anything. And somehow that became a style statement yeah, for me. Absolutely. And I'm like, no, if you only knew the origins of this. And then when those were all kind of dirty and wrinkled, I just ordered another pack. 
<laughs> so that, wow. that's how that went down. Well, in today's, you know, Instagram influenced world, people probably assume you talk with a stylist and, you know, all that no. kind of stuff. And and I know better because I know you. And uh, <laughs> pair, pair of jeans. I only wear black socks. And the, the that person's like, well, you, you know, your sock style. I'm like, I just do that so I don't have to match socks. Like, I don't... I don't have any color but black socks. This is socks. all about simplicity. It's all about simplicity. And I only wear shoes uh, that I don't have to tie every day. I can, like tie them once and they can kind of slip on and off. And th- that's that would be my thoughts behind fashion sense my right fav- there. My, one of my favorite things about this moment, Jeff, is if for some reason someone who's listened to this has never listened to our podcast before, they would assume you're borderline lazy based on yeah, some of this conversation, which is the opposite probably of who you are. Yeah. You probably want this area to be simple so you can get the real work. That's it. I don't want to think about it. And I don't <clears throat> I don't want to fill my closet up. I don't want to think about it. I yeah. don't want to think about it. I don't want to walk around hoping I don't spill coffee on something. Like sure. I I hate all that. And that's I always say if I dress me dressing up for you is putting socks on. <laughs> like the, the, you were the flip flop pastor for years. For years and now and now I don't do it as much. But I only I don't wear socks in the summertime because mm-hmm. I hate socks. Yeah, and I hate. But and man, if there if a suit and tie jacket is required, oh my goodness. Yeah, that's a special I just day. Can't, I can't do. It. Heidi yelled at me the other day for wearing jeans to a wedding. And I'm like, what's what I had on? She's like, it's a wedding. I'm like, well, they invited me. I, didn't, <laughs> I invite myself. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, it's so good. I have accidentally pulled the super overdressed and the super underdressed at a wedding before. Neither of those feel fantastic. Yeah, uh, I just don't care. Yeah. The, I don't know. I just yeah. don't care. I'm like, I, I'm sitting here at your wedding doing you a favor <laughs> being at this wedding. You're welcome. <laughs> and wear what I want to wear. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Enjoy the toaster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, today's um, question comes from one of our listeners, and they got some uh, confusion and some tension and some serious questions happening uh, amongst their extended family. So um, as we dive in, our listener says, grateful to you both and thankful for this podcast. When is it okay to speak into one's lives if you can clearly see there are issues? And does them being a Christ follower or not change your answer? So here's my example. I have an immediate family member with a trans child. Um, so from the time the child was born, there was little interest in that family member actually being a parent. So many times I, I wanted to speak up enough times that I'm writing to you now. Uh, the child spent most of their time alone with anyone who would watch them or babysit them. It was with the television or the internet and other things were always more important. Now, that child's grown, but they're very confused. They have taken hormones. They've changed pronouns more than once. No one says anything to them, though. We're not allowed to. We're told to comply with what the child and the family members say to do. So my question is, should I have spoken up years ago? Did I, did I fail that child because I didn't say anything? When a sibling is struggling and their children suffer because of it, should we be speaking into their lives, especially if they're not Christ followers? Mm. I'm afraid that I've failed the child for fear of my sibling. Yeah. Well, it's a that's a very difficult question, a heartfelt one, and, and it's actually about three or four questions. It is. In it's, one, it's a so, lot. Yeah. Uh, but I'm so glad you asked it because I I think your uh, our our listener is voicing something that many people feel, whether it's 
in this particular category or not is, you know, of course, a different conversation. But um, so I would say this. Uh, one of the questions that they asked was, does it matter if they're a believer or non-believer? And the answer to that is kind of. <laughs> so it matters. It doesn't matter whether you should speak up or not. It matters what you should speak about. Mm. So if someone is professing to be a Christ follower, um, that profession gives me a spiritual license in their life that if they're an actual Christ follower, they have to acknowledge, um, or they're probably not actually a Christ follower. So um, I will often, in very difficult situations, I will often ask a question like this, like a, a, a difficult conversation comes up, and I'll say, uh, uh, how far are we going with this? Like, or I'll say, how honest are we being, right? If it's a Christ follower, then I, I will actually look at folks and say, do you consider yourself a Christ follower? And if they say yes, I'll say, okay, now I have some biblically mandated things that I have to bring into your life. Hmm. So I have to speak truth and love. I have to speak to you um, uh, even things that you don't want to hear. Now, I also have to do that with a gentleness and respect. Yeah. Um, I have to hold you to an account of God's Word. So uh, why are you doing this or why aren't you doing that when the Bible says to or not to? See, it's a different conversation. And um, if you are a Christ follower, if you receive that conversation, and I didn't say agree, mm -hmm. but if you, I, I think we're obligated as a Christ follower to receive it. If it's brought in love and if it's brought with gentleness and respect, even if I don't agree with you, I think I need to receive you. With a conversation with a Christ follower, though, I am not trying to get you to my opinion. I'm trying to get you to God's Word. Yeah. And so um, what we should have as two Christ followers is we should have a common authority that is greater than both of us, which is the Word of God. And so what I'm trying to help you do in that moment is I'm trying to help you see and adhere to the, the Word of God. Mm -hmm. So if this family member said, yes, I'm a Christ follower, then I would say all kinds of things about the responsibility of parenting, about raising up a child in the way they should go, about engagement, about training them when you get up, when you walk along the way, all the Deuteronomy 6 stuff, which parking them in front of a television or making them an iPad child negates. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk to you about all these, all these things because I'm concerned about it. Um, and I'm going to probably go there. I may not go there in one conversation, but I'm going to go there. And my ultimate goal will probably be if you won't engage that parenting, there's a way that, is there a way that I can step in and be a supplement to that, uh, especially if it's a family member. I'm, I'm an uncle or whatever the relationship is, and I'm going to up my uncleness, you know, kind of a thing. And I actually have a, a, a story about this. It had nothing to do with sexual, sexuality issues, but I was talking to a friend, um, and I was talking about, uh, it's a friend that my kids call uncle and aunt. So the kids I consider nieces and nephews, and I'm the godfather 
uh, they asked me to be the godfather. And so I was talking to the parent about something, and I said, um, I said, I really think this, this, and this. And and my friend looked at me, and I said, and I looked at him, I go, am I the godfather of these children or not? Like, is this is this my role or not? And he was like, a hundred percent. Thank you for saying that. You're, you know, in this particular case, you're right. Now he has the exact same license in my life, and has used it. This, you know, this isn't like I'm the hero and he's not. But the the I'm just trying to describe the level of conversation we're having, because it was a family member who's also a Christ follower. And I'm like, isn't this what I'm supposed to do? And he was like, actually, it is what you're supposed to do. And that's the ideal situation. Yeah. Right? Now, if they're not a believer, it's a very different conversation. So if they're not a believer, they do not share the common authority of God's Word. So they have, even if they say they're a Christian, if you don't believe that they are, there's no fruit, etc., then they don't share the, the, the common authority of God's Word. So I would probably still raise a flag because I think children need to be defended and invested in. And what I would probably do is offer a depth of a relationship. So my family would have all kinds of people that are a part of our family who aren't born in our family. And we just like, come on in. You know, you're, you're uh, a sibling. You're an adopted cousin. I'm your dad. I'm your uncle, you know, kind of thing. And in a case like this, I would look and say, is there a way, what is the relational license I could have in a child's life, and then I would exercise that as strongly as possible. If I felt like the child was being endangered, depending on what that means, it's everything from call CSB all the way to like somebody's got to pay attention to this kid, Mm -hmm. I would probably react appropriately to that. A key that I found in in this, my father actually taught me this. My father one time said something to me about my kids that I didn't, I didn't want to hear. But before he said it to me, he said, he actually asked permission. He goes, can I say something to you about the kids that you may not like? Is that okay? And, and if not now, can I say it to you maybe in a couple of days? And I, I love my dad. I was close to my dad. I was like, yeah, you can say that. Well, then he said something. I didn't like it. Mm. He wasn't wrong. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really want to hear that. Um, but he, he, uh, he made it less contentious because I, I, he asked me for a license. I gave him one and he took it. Yeah. You know, so there's probably like a strategy around that. Um, but the, yeah, that's how I would look at it. Now, the other thing that they said in here, they said, I feel like I failed. Mm. And I would say, to, I would say to you, that's a false guilt. Who failed was a child's parent, um, and they failed not because their kid is transgender. They failed because if they're parking them in front of a TV or making them an iPad kid, they failed, hmm. or they they allowed other harm or were passive in their parenting. They failed. You didn't fail. They failed. That's not your responsibility. That's their responsibility. If this child is now an adult. And, and I'm kind of hoping and assuming they are, if they're taking hormone therapy and all that kind of stuff, then they are responsible. Hmm. They're making, they, 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 it's not that they don't know there's another alternative. 
uh, they have chosen a path, and there's wounds and pain, and, and I'm in no way trying to minimize that. But that's, your, that's their responsibility. That's not your responsibility. So you don't act out of a guilt. You act out of a concern and a love. Um, and that's probably another conversation. But uh, I just think that's important. You being a bad dad is not me failing. Mm. That's you failing. Um, you looking back on this situation with hindsight doesn't assign blame it gives clarity and those are those are very different things right? absolutely yeah that that's um that's a big deal i think that we can assume that false guilt in a lot of arenas because of that hindsight yeah at best that's why that cliche exists hindsight's 2020 now i see what i should have done but at worst like the enemy is getting in there and he's trying to blame you for other people's sin yeah this happens a lot. Like I, I, I just was with a friend a month or two ago. That there was a suicide. Mm. And I was with a friend that was affected by that suicide, and he said to me, he said, I, I, sh- I don't know what I did wrong. I should have seen something. And I'm like, uh, you didn't do anything wrong, and if you would have, you would have intervened. Right. And so... Um, I just said, we can, we can talk about the pain of this and the grief of it, but you have to be real careful with the guilt. The Bible says that the evil one is an accuser. Yeah. And so it's your fault. I'm like, y- you didn't plan out and execute this this suicide your loved one did. It's not your fault. It's your pain. Mm-hmm. 100% it's your pain. And then, you know, he said, you know, looking back, I can do math. I'm like, right, that's the way it worked. Now, now I see what I see. I didn't know in the moment that's what it was. How would you know? You, yeah. And so now you bring that forward, and, and you probably become an advocate and a protector, and, and you've learned what you've learned. But that guilt is false. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guilt of sin is not false. That's conviction, and that's responsibility. The guilt of someone else's sin is false. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and and you can't you can learn from it, but you can't live in it. So, this this as you mentioned, our listener kind of asked a, a a series of questions, and it's all the same scenario, so that makes sense. We're not picking on the listener, but kind of here toward the end, they're really strongly hinting at like, so what do I do now? Right, so how do I interact with this sibling? How do I interact with um, their 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 niece or nephew? Um, you know, and and maybe even especially knowing now all of this in the past and all of the hindsight and realizing they coulda shoulda. How do they how do they progress forward in this scenario? Well, um, some of that depends on whether the 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 niece or nephew is an adult or not. Mm-hmm. And so, if they're still a minor and they're still at home. You know, you're you're you are walking a tightrope of I'm trying to like honor parental authority and and those kind of things. And what I would do is I would do my best to double down a relationship. And if they're changing their pronouns back and forth and going back and forth with their sexual identity, then that tells me that they're they're confused, they're not convinced, and they're searching for something. And um, I would try to be that something as best as you can in the gospel of Jesus. And Jesus was uh, very uh, liberal with allowing sinners in his presence. Hmm. 
but he did not condone their sin and he did not excuse it. But he did not cut them off relationally, so to say. Like he would dine with, uh, with people that were sinners. In fact, he was known for it and criticized for it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you shut a person out of your home. I don't think you cut off relationships, say you're not invited to Christmas anymore. I also don't think that you have to. Um, he, he said, or whoever it was, the, the, the author here said, you know, I'm forced to accept. I'm like, no, you're not. I, that that's somebody else's rules. I don't, I don't have to accept those rules. I'm not forced to reject either. Mm-hmm. So what I what I have found in these situations is I want relationship. I'm not going to accept that what you're doing is okay, and just pull transgenderism. Just change transgenderism over to uh, uh, heroin addiction. Mm-hmm. I don't accept, I don't reject you. I don't accept that you're just an addict. Yeah. So how do you, how do you do that? I'm like, you do it one-on-one individually with every, every different person. I I don't, uh, I don't kick you out of my home. Um, but we have standards in my home. Heidi and I, one time, uh, this was years ago, this girl, this lady's passed away now from drugs actually, but we be, we befriended a prostitute. Mm. And her name was Bambi, and she was an addict. She was a prostitute. Well, she was at our home all the time, and she was welcome at our home, and sometimes our home was a safe place. Now, I didn't let her do drugs in my home, but I knew she was doing drugs. You know, I didn't let her prostitute herself in my home, but I knew that she was a prostitute. I'm like, I, I love you, but I don't I, – you're not going to – nobody forces me to accept this. Mm-hmm. They also don't force me to reject this. So it, a, a real Christian would never, I'm like, well, you got, you got a real problem with Jesus. And and so what we talk about a lot is grace and truth, and, mm-hmm. and I've done some sermons on this. Maybe we can tag a link to it in this podcast. And um, But the it is, it is a tension that you navigate through with a person. So Jesus didn't put edicts out on tax collectors or prostitutes or drunkards he did put clear lines about what is sin and what's not. Mm-hmm. How he interacted with that sinner was different every time. He, he, Jesus never sinned, so he never violated what was morally true or pure or right. Mm-hmm. And he had sinners in his presence. And for our listener, they might say, um, well, what does that mean for me? I'm like, that's a great question. And that may, that's where you probably have to sit down and have a conversation. Mm-hmm where they meet with you or they meet with Pastor Robbie or me or whoever, and, like, yeah, it, it takes a strategy now. What am I doing? If your brother or sister or whoever the, you know, the sibling, your sibling is saying, why don't want you around my kid? I'm like, well, your kid's an adult. I'll do what I want. I, I, you don't get to tell me that anymore um, because I have my own relationship with my family member. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You don't seem to care, so I'm going to care, and I don't have—I actually don't have to do what you tell me to do. Um, so you don't want to start a war there, but like, just this, there's this societal thing right now that says, "Well, you have to do this." If someone's like that, I'm like, "No, you don't. You don't get to. You don't let me tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. You don't get to tell me what to do." And I'm really not trying to pick a fight with you, but I'm just like, "Yeah, I'm a grown man." And uh, I'll do what's best. And, and 
And I'm also a, a person who believes and knows Jesus Christ, and I will make sure that you know who he is and that he loves you. You probably already know his perspective on your sin, so it's the rest of Jesus that you don't know. It's not that part. But I don't, I don't care what you tell me. You don't have authority in my life, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to give it to you. Yep. Is, is, and and kind of living that way without having an attitude, it's not always easy, but it's, it's kind of what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, I do the will of the Father. I don't care what you. I don't care what the Romans say. I don't care what the Jewish leadership says. Uh, you don't. You don't get to have. You don't get to have that authority in my life, and so th- this is part of it. Yeah, Jesus explains what some of that looks like when he describes that we're salt and light, and says it's our good deeds that will shine before others and help point people toward Jesus. And so he's not saying go be a jerk because that's what I asked you to be to these people. He's saying like no. The way that you run after, in this case, your niece or your nephew, the way that you interact through the truth but with grace with your sibling, like even if in that moment they're deeply upset with you because you're living out that faithfulness before them, they'll eventually see that you were doing it out of love even though you had to engage the truth. Peter addresses it too. He's like, as you continue to live your life, let no one be able to accuse you of wrongdoing, but instead your life is like shining this godliness, and they can't help but go like, dang it, I can't even accuse you of doing anything wrong even though you've been doing this good work. Yeah, and I think this is where... This, this issue is so new and a little bit confusing that this is where people, they want a stock answer. Like, should I call them by their, what pronoun Pronouns. should I call them by? And I'm like, um, I don't know, like, like figure it out in the relationship. The, the transgender people I know, I call them by the name I met them at. That's how I know them. And they're like, well, I'm a girl now. I'm like, well, okay, you're not, but I love you. Come on in with your, you know, I like... I don't. I don't acquiesce that. I also don't fight or argue with them about that. And I want them around. Mm-hmm. And so we're gonna like accommodate. Not, not. We're not gonna cave in. We're gonna accommodate because we want you around. Because one, there is a. If you look at the studies on transgenderism, for instance, there is a massive amount of people who transition who transition back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is through the through the roof. Mm-hmm. Even people who have the surgeries, mm-hmm. uh, because they thought they would find happiness, and what they actually find is more miser- misery most mm-hmm. of the time. And so I'm like, well, I want to be there. I, I feel the same thing. If you're uh, an alcoholic who got sober, who fell off the wagon, and you're drinking again, I don't kick you out of my life. Um, I don't pretend you're not drinking, though. Yeah. You know, and and so because I know that that is a journey. And you'll probably swing back around, and I want to preserve the relationship. As we, as we hear from them and learn what it is that they're seeking after as they make those decisions, a lot of times that ends up being a pathway where they were seeking for Christ and didn't realize it. Yeah, they're, they're looking for something. And so you have to, like, uh, you know, Pastor Jeff, tell me, should I call him the boy name or the girl name? I'm like, I don't know them, <laughs> and I don't know your relationship, so... You have to figure that out. That's probably the least important part of this conversation, (laughs) right? The most important part is, would they come to you if they were in trouble? Yeah. Do they know that you love them? They already know you don't agree with them. So point, point is made, no compromise there. You haven't compromised a thing. 
but do they know that you love them? Do they know that they could find safety in you? Because the, the statistical probability is they're going to transition back, mm-hmm. which the, you know, the listener already said, like, this happened a couple times. I'm like, great. So what they need is Jesus, and Jesus is the only one that's going to heal the, the pain, the hurt, the losses, and the rebellion that's driving this behavior. And this is not... This conversation is not a transgenderism conversation. No. This is a when I see people in sin, what do I do about it conversation. I'm like, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. We're just, you know, th- this happened to be the talking point. Just change it to drugs, change it to alcohol, change it to uh, addiction to pornography, change it easy yep. peasy. Materialism, yep. pride, gossip. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If if our list if the listeners today uh, jumped into this episode either kind of randomly or maybe someone shared it with you or maybe this just happens to be the first episode you've jumped on with us. Um, just a couple of episodes ago, we talked about how do you have a conversation with someone that doesn't believe in Jesus? Yeah. And so if even if you already heard that episode, now that we've engaged this topic, it's probably not a bad idea to go back to that one and think through the scenarios that are popping up in your mind now through that lens, because there's a lot of great stuff in there about like, well, how do I start talking with someone about Jesus and all that kind of stuff? Because we're, we're trying to listen, we're trying to learn, and we're trying to lead them to Jesus, not just force stuff down uh, their, their throat. So this is really helpful, Jeff. Any last things that you want to add before we... I just love your I love our listeners' heart for mm-hmm. their nephew. Yeah. And that to me is the the gold in this conversation. And you seeking to love your neighbor as yourself and to love Christ at heart, soul, mind, strength, the Spirit of God will guide you through this. So pray. Mm-hmm. Listen to the Spirit of the Lord. You don't have to compromise any of your beliefs. Um, and really what you're asking is what does it look like to love love this person. I'm like, right. That, that, is, that is the question every believer should wrestle with. How do I love God, my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love my neighbor as myself? And I'm like, yeah, that, that is the most of the hard work of the Christian life. So I'm proud of you for like tackling this mm-hmm. and not just being, you know, caught in the current of whatever the, the cultural flow is right now. That's great. Well, if you have any questions you'd like to submit, you can always do that at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages. We'd love to help you walk through these things. And maybe you're looking to take some unique next steps or even look for more resources regarding the topic that we engage today. We would love to help you out with that, point you in the right direction, or even point you to some professionals that can help uh, in those arenas. If you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more of it, make sure you subscribe, follow, rate, and review our podcast. And if you're looking for a community of people that are running after Jesus and trying to figure out what it means to live among him, uh, you can always join us in person here at Grace or even check us out online. Thanks so much for jumping in with us today as we continue to seek God's messages through all the mixed messages around us. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.